This is the best of daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson from Believer's Church in Menominee, Wisconsin. Go to jfbelievers.com for more information. The Gospel of John, chapter 2. Verse 12 says, After this he went down to Capernaum, he and his mother, his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there a few days. Now, wait just a minute here. His brothers? I mean, doesn't Catholic doctrine tell us clearly of the perpetual virginity of Mary? Well, if that were true, how would it be that Jesus had brothers? Actually, there are other scriptures that refer to his siblings. John 7, verses 3 through 5. Matthew 12, verse 46. Matthew 13, 55 through 56. Mark 6, 3. Acts 1, 4. 1 Corinthians 9, 5. And Galatians 1, 19. All of these talk about the siblings of Jesus. So, was uh, Mary perpetually a virgin? No. Not according to the word of God, she wasn't. Verse 13, the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, and the changers of the money sitting. Apparently, the temple had been invaded by the local department store. How did this happen? Well, slowly, no doubt. Just as now, the church began to reach out to the world and to reach out to its ways to such a degree that soon the world was literally in the midst of them. It was so intertwined with the church that it was impossible, well, to know where one ended and the other one started. Ironically, many churches today would be quick to condemn these folks, all the while embracing the very ways of the world, as well as the materialism that follows on its heels. It's interesting, though, that Over the past few years, the media has frankly been instrumental in exposing many of these not-for-profit, quote-unquote, religious organizations with their planes and their boats and their mansions. How embarrassing for the greater church to be lumped together with these liars. Fact is, God would rather have his church pure than have a perfect reputation out on the street. Fact, he often uses some rather unorthodox methodologies to get it done, and that's exactly what he's going to do here. Temple patrons, you see, needed, well, oxen and sheep and doves and incense and meal and wine and oil, salt and other items for their sacrifices and for their offerings. Furthermore, those from foreign nations that came into Jerusalem, they needed money exchanged. So somewhere along the way, the priests apparently decided to cut out the middleman and just take care of the things themselves once the pull of profit became simply too much. Now that, however, was not okay with Jesus. In fact, he both began and ended his public ministry on this earth by cleansing the temple in this manner. The first time he referred to it as his father's house. The purity of the house of God was so important and the cancer was so pervasive Jesus, upon his departure from it the last time, gave judgment upon those who were and are entrenched to such a degree in which to be, I guess, incorrigible. He says this, quote, your house is left unto you, desolate, end quote. That's a sad prophetic message against many churches that exist today. 
Verse 15 says he made a whip of cords and he drove all out of the temple, both the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the changers' money and overthrew the temples. To those who sold the doves, he said, take these things out of here. Don't make my father's house a marketplace. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will eat me up. Now let's face it, many people are troubled by the actions of Christ in this passage. Yet I wonder why many were and are not so troubled by the actions of those selling in the temple that day. The church of that day had become so enamored by the world that it had invited into its sacred halls and allowed to dictate its practice of faith. Corrupt and shallow, the world is still continuing to operate in such clandestine ways. Often still from within the house of God, it is cancerously eating away at the foundations of Scripture and the church. Sadly, it seems that much of the battles that face biblically inherent evangelical churches today are coming from within instead of outside in the streets where we would classically expect that kind of warfare. Look, I too today am eaten up by the zeal of my father's house. And I believe, as the scripture believes, that the church is God's sovereign vehicle for the evangelism of the world. It is for the discipling and the maturing of the faithful. It is to glorify his kingdom and, frankly, that the gates of hell will not prevail against it, quote unquote. And by the way, no, home churches don't replace it. And solo runs, they don't count. Look, the church is God's gig, and it's bigger than all of us. It doesn't need us to defend it any more than a lion needs our help. We are simply called to conduct ourselves within it according to scriptural edict and divine appointment. Leviticus 19.30 You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary, for I am Yahweh. Verse 18 going on in our text says, The Jews therefore answered him, What sign do you show us? seeing that you do these things. And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews therefore said, It took 46 years to build this temple. Will you raise it up in three days? But you see, he spoke of the temple of his body, verse 21. When therefore he was raised up from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. You know, it's kind of a strange request that they made of Jesus that day. It seems that people were always, and frankly are always, looking for signs, a miracle or something spectacular that would wow them into believing. Yet the record shows that Jesus did many miracles, often within clear sight of the eyes of the Pharisees. Yet they still didn't believe. Furthermore, when Jesus did offer them proof, their eyes were not open to his meaning. I think that happens a lot even today. Things that seem spiritually clear to us as born-again believers, they can seem so murky, just a murky fairy tale to the lost. So Jesus here, he throws down the challenge. Destroy this temple, and I'll raise it up in three days. Now the problem in this was that the only temple these guys could think of, well, that would be Herod's temple, and that temple took 46 years to build. So they were unable to see the forest through the trees. They would, in fact, destroy the temple Jesus was referring to, and in three days he would raise it up again. 
But at this point, they just didn't get it. Perhaps they, along with others, got a glimpse as they stood that day at Golgotha, the place of the cross, as that centurion murmured those immortal words, truly this was the Son of God. But the important thing was those who were to understand those words, they did ultimately understand. They saw the miracle. They saw the proof. Why? Well, they saw the miracle. They saw the proof because they were looking for it. Truly looking for it. Are you today? Verse 23 of chapter 2 of John says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, observing his signs which he did. But Jesus didn't entrust himself to them because he knew everyone and because he didn't need for anyone to testify concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. Despite those who would not hear and would not see, there were those who did hear and did see. They believed, says the text. The word in the Greek tense uh, means they believed once and for all. No turning back. Despite all of that, Jesus did not entrust himself to any of them. Well, what does that mean? It means he knew what was in the man and it wasn't good. He knew that many of them would betray him. They would deny their faith under pressure. They would forsake him turning back to the world. They would slip and fall back into sin be weak and easily influenced, tossed to and fro, proved untrustworthy, lack zeal, genuine commitment, lack courage to stand, etc., etc. Yet, please notice he walked forward onto the cross, onto the greatest sacrifice in history. God in flesh gave his life for all those who could never be trusted. But it didn't matter because he could be trusted and he was the one on center stage. He was the one who was doing it all for us. That was our daily devotions by Pastor Tim Dodson. To learn more about Tim Dodson or Believer's Church, visit jfbelievers.com.